Well, thanks and good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you here in the sanctuary and great to be with you all over in the courtyard. And as Pastor Brian said, our different campus pastors will be speaking at their respective campuses. And while I've been able to preach here plenty in the past, I'm especially excited to do so today for the first time as your new campus pastor. So pump for this. <clears throat> thanks. And we just want to say a huge thanks, uh, Aaron and I, for just your overwhelming encouragement and affirmation that uh, you've given to us as I stepped into this new role. We are pumped for the days ahead, and we are grateful that as a local campus, we get to be in on what God is doing here all together. Now, I've received a few questions along the way about how my role is different than Brian's role, and so I thought I'd address one of those questions for you right now. Some people have asked, hey, if I have like a concern or some kind of issue that I want to talk to the church leaders about, should I go to you or should I go to Brian? And so my answer would be, if it's something positive and exciting, then come talk to me. <laughs> and if it's a complaint, rant, lament, critique, attack, or some kind of hate is going to hate sentiment, then go to Brian, okay? No, I'm only kidding. I, I really do want to hear whatever the Lord might have on your heart. And we actually did hear a few rumblings last week from some folks who submitted questions to be asked for our panel and they never got addressed. So I thought I'd tackle three of those here for us today. One person sent in, I'm wondering if Grace Chapel accepts Bitcoin donations. Also, I have an old deck computer from 1974 that's occupying my garage and is worth something for sure. Can I donate it to Grace Chapel? Our reply, no and no. <laughs> Another one came in. If I tithe counterfeit money, does God get mad at that, the church, both, or neither? And we said, that is a fake question for sure. And then one more. Snoop Dogg once famously said, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. What do you think is an appropriate amount of time slash energy that we should spend thinking about money? Good question. We said 14.67398%, okay, just to be precise. Now, when Brian mentioned last week that a staff member anonymously submitted a couple rather creative questions, I was shocked by how many of you looked right in my direction last week. <laughs> but you were actually wise to because my wife Erin was sitting right next to me, and she's the one who submitted the Beyonce question, just to clarify. Well, I hope that we can continue to laugh a lot around here because I think good humor is the product of joy. And I hope and pray that we are the kind of people who lived incredibly joy-filled lives right here in Lexington, don't you? Well, one of the other great fruits of a God-filled life that comes with joy that we have been talking about since the kickoff of the new year is in our series next is the, the real quality of generosity. I think all of us could agree, whether we are, consider ourselves Christians or not here today, that it is a good thing to be generous and that ultimately we would like to become more generous people. There's just something deep in our bones that rings true about desiring that. So as a church, we've la launched this generosity initiative in hopes that we might incite a generosity revolution in each of our lives, our families, and ultimately our church and hopefully beyond. Now, one of the things that we found when it comes to becoming more generous is that we don't just naturally drift into becoming more generous people. Now, growth in generosity, like growth in all good things, does not happen by default, but it happens by design. It takes great intentionality. 
And that's why next week we are creating a context for each of us to take a next step as we grow in generosity through Intention Sunday. It's a chance for you to bring your completed pledge card to declare what your next step will be in giving to and through our church. I was so encouraged this week listening to a 20-something guy from our church share that since he never really grew up in church, he just had no idea about the importance of giving and tithing. And so he feels like he now gets it and is going to be filling out a card this week and can't wait to make his intention next Sunday as a fruit of the work of God in his life. I'm so excited for that. So if you call Grace Chapel your home church as well, and want to get in on what God is doing and shaping us to be more generous for the sake of the world, then prayerfully and thoughtfully think about how you might contribute to that next week. So bring your at brochure with you, fill out this card, and we're going to have an amazing celebration next Sunday. Well, today, we want to kind of round out our discussion about generosity and giving by not just talking about money, but how we can give our whole lives and whole selves towards God's mission of helping this world become more like heaven and less like hell. And the way that we can be a part of this is for each one of us to take that next step toward becoming more generous, more sacrificial, more loving, more Christ-like people wherever God has called us. And so to help uh, do this, my premise today is going to be simple for us to remember. It's three words just arranged two different ways. And here's the big idea. Love to give and give to love. Love to give and give to love. We'll be looking at some of Jesus' teachings as we explore three reasons why we should love to give every chance that we get. And then we'll look at four ways that we can give as an expression of love. So love to give, live to, love to give, give to love. That's where we're headed today. And hopefully you're less confused than me as we talk about that. So let's begin. We should love to give because first, giving leads to true living. Giving leads to true living. I love how Paul writes to Timothy about this. Command those who are rich, that's you and me and us, in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So being generous, so it leads to that life that we're all longing for and running after, the life that's truly life. Being generous and giving is what enables us to live more fully alive. But don't just take Scripture's word for it or mine. Listen to what some other recent studies have shown concerning the relationship between giving and happiness. The University of British Columbia and Harvard Business School recently completed a study on happiness in, country, in the countries of Uganda and India. In that study, they gave each participant money, sometimes just as little as $5. So half of the participants were invited to spend the money on themselves, while the other half were invited to spend their money on someone else. At the end of the day, the participants reported their levels of happiness. Those who end up spending their money on themselves remained the same as they were before, but those who gave, even in this simple exercise, were significantly happier than they were previously. A University of Chicago study found that those who donate to nonprofit organizations 
are 43% more likely to say they are very happy than non-givers. On the other hand, non-givers are three and a half times more likely to say that they are not happy at all with their lives. And then another study conducted by Harvard Business School researchers in 2009 discovered that giving produces a literal high. For those who give, the brain reacts a bit like it does for those who take cocaine or see a beautiful person or a work of art. One of the reasons why Pastor Brian and the leaders of our church wanted to do this generosity initiative is so that you all can get high <laughs> on, on giving, okay? Just making sure you're all paying attention out there, okay? Other scientific studies of the brain show that when we give to others, the part of the brain that activates when we are receiving rewarding stimuli, that part of the brain also fires. Studies show that our brains are actually hardwired to give. Now, these studies from these notoriously secular schools all back up and give cred to what Jesus said thousands of years ago when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the bottom line. It is more blessed to give than receive. I love how the message translates these words. You're far happier giving than you are getting. You're far happier giving than getting. If you don't believe that's true, just think about tonight's Super Bowl for a moment. And just for a moment, okay? Would you rather have the Patriots get it from the Seahawks? Or would you rather have the Patriots give it to the Seahawks, huh? There we go. There we go. I'm going to try and reel everybody back in. We should love to give because giving leads to true living. And giving leads to more giving, secondly. Giving leads to more giving. Listen to Jesus' words from Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is from the message. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. I love that last line. Generosity begets or creates more generosity. Jesus is saying that being generous leads to even more generosity. Giving leads to more giving. One generous act can lead to another generous act that leads to another generous act that can incite a whole giving revolution throughout the world. An example of how giving leads to giving was, and that we all experienced last year was the ice bucket challenge. Millions of people were dumping cold water on their heads to help raise millions of dollars for ALS research. It's an amazing phenomenon that began right here in greater Boston. And it was a viral chain reaction of giving because giving leads to more giving. Our dream for this generosity initiative as a church is that it would not simply remain an initiative, but that it would become a generosity movement. That it would be an ever-increasing force for good in our world uh, as we become people who are known for our radical giving and we become famous as a community for our sacrificial living. Can you imagine the difference that we could make if each of us just did our part? And each of our parts is simply just to take that next step in becoming more generous. So we should love to give because giving leads to true living. Giving leads to more giving. And then thirdly, giving helps to free us from living by fear. Giving helps to free us from living by fear. 
One of the reasons so many of us, I feel like, always are striving to be in control and to feel like we're in control is because we're afraid of uncertainty. We're afraid of the unknown. We are afraid of what we don't realize is happening. And I doubt there's any place that we do this more trying to control than with our finances. Now, one of the things I genuinely dislike doing is spending money. If it was socially acceptable, I would wear the same gray hooded sweatshirt, white t-shirt, jeans, and Converse All-Stars every single day of my life. But my wife tells me, that is not socially acceptable and you shouldn't do that. (laughs) She says that outfit is like the modern day version of what Mr. Rogers would wear. (laughs) Which, I'm okay with that. And I was pointed out to earlier that I kind of look like Mr. Rogers today. (laughs) I'm cool with that too. But I don't like to spend because I don't like to not have. Not because I'm cheap, contrary to popular opinion. (laughs) There are so many what-if scenarios that I want to be ready for. You know, potential job loss, illness, natural disasters, that chance to finally buy a hoverboard. (laughs) I want to be ready, and I want to be in control. But if I add up all these what-if scenarios they total up to a pretty fear-filled life. And if I'm honest, spending money really does scare me because potentially messing up causes me a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. So I tend to want to hold on to what I've got just to feel safe and to feel like I am in control. But Jesus wants to free us from living by fear by inviting us to live instead by faith. Living by faith means to act as if what God said he's going to do, he's actually going to do. To live by faith means that you actually believe that God is who he says he is, and you base your life on that. And one of the things that God tells us and what he commands for us is to trust him, to not worry about your life, because he's got it. He's with you. And so if we are to live by faith and not by fear, then we have to do what God says And a big part of discovering uh, what God commands, and his commands are expression of his love toward us, a big part of what he commands as we're learning here in this series is we're called to give and be generous. God himself is a stunning giver. He is the ultimate philanthropist. And because we are made in his image, we are made to give. So as we obey and give, we will find ourselves filled with more and more of Christ's life in us and less and less being filled with fear. Dallas Willard sums up what I'm trying to say very well. He says, kingdom obedience is kingdom abundance. Kingdom obedience is kingdom kingdom abundance. As we obey the commands of God, we receive the life of God. As we give more and more, we will receive more and more of that life that we long for, the life that Paul says is truly life. Now let me get real for a moment just about some of the fears that I have had in filling out this intention card. This card is asking us to prayerfully consider our financial situation and listen to what God would want for us to give to and through Grace Chapel over the next two years. Now, one of the reasons this is hard for us is because as we shared over the summer, and we've been a part of an adoption process to adopt a child or children from the country of South Africa, and we fully expect that to happen in the next two years. 
And that isn't a cheap process, and children in general tend to cost a good amount of money. And so with that, all that financial uncertainty that's kind of looming over us, how can we really make a pledge about what we're going to give? Well, one thing that we are sure of is that God calls us to give the first fruits of our finances. So as we anticipate what our income is going to be over the next two years, we want to do just that and give him the first fruits and not the leftovers. It's a step of faith, but as scary as it is, we need to remember that ultimately everything we have is God's anyways, isn't it? So we are confident that this is what God is calling us to do. And we're convinced that kingdom obedience is kingdom abundance. And if that's true, then we have no reason to fear. And my brothers and sisters, you have no reason to fear either. God is good. He will provide and he will show up. Amen? Amen. So we should love to give because giving leads to true living. Giving leads to more giving. And giving helps to free us from living by fear. So we should love to give, but we should also give to love. Now, to be honest, I haven't always made this connection between loving and giving, but I'm finding that they're actually inseparable. Becoming people pervaded with God's love is our highest calling. So giving must be central to how we express that love to God and to his world. Giving is the very essence of how God displays his love for us. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible is John chapter 3.16. And it captures this perfectly. Would you read or say these words from John 16 aloud with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved that he what? He gave. Love gives. Love gives. If someone asks you, dude, what gives? Tell them, love gives, man. <laughs> love gives. So let's, br- <laughs> let's briefly explore four ways that we can give to love. First, we can give to love by giving the gift of margin. By giving the gift of margin. Margin is kind of the built-in space and breathing room for life. It's a good thing. Can you imagine reading a book that had no margin around the actual words? It would feel cramped and cluttered. It would be difficult to navigate. It would be like pretty overwhelming and stressful to look at. Well, in the same way, if we don't create margin in our lives, in our time, our energy, and our finances, our lives are going to be totally overwhelming as well. God has built the need for margin into our world. He built margin into our working lives by commanding us to receive the gift of Sabbath. Taking a 24-hour period once a week to play, to pray, to rest, to do whatever brings you life. Sabbath is an expression of the gift of margin. So God does not want us to take our working lives to their very limit. And he also doesn't want us to take our financial lives to the limit either. In the Old Testament, God commanded uh, his people that when they were harvesting their crops, that they weren't to harvest all of the crops, but to leave the edges of their fields unharvested so that the stranger, the sojourner, and the poor amongst them could glean from those fields for nourishment and for food. 
Instead of using all the resources for themselves, God instructed them to create margin in their fields for others to be blessed from. In other words, God commanded them to give margin in order to love. Now, living with financial margin is not only a wise way to be able to bless and serve others, but it's simply just a wise way to live. When we spend all the money that we have, we live with way more pressure, way more stress, way more anxiety than God has ever desired us to live with. When we lived in Colorado a few years ago, one of the things that we heard people complain about a lot was about being house poor, being house poor. Some of our friends lived in these really large, newly constructed houses, and when we'd ask them to go out to dinner or go up to the mountains for a day, they'd often say no because they said we didn't have any money. And it just made us go, huh? Well, they said we've put all of our money into our mortgage, and so we have nothing left over to spend for fun. And what happened with these folks is they began to, began to hate their homes and to resent them because they felt trapped and imprisoned in these beautiful structures. Hence, they describe themselves as house poor. Contrast that to a family here at Grace Chapel. We went over to their home recently, and judging by what we knew they did for work, we expected them to live in a pretty large home. But their home, home turned out not to be very much larger than our condo. And what we learned was that years ago, they decided how much money it was going to take for them to live on. And they were going to continue to live on that amount of money, regardless of how much more they made. And so as they made more money, that excess, that margin became what they used to give and to bless other people. I would imagine now they probably give more than 50% of their income away because they've chosen to live simply so that other people could simply live they are some of the most Christ-like folks I have ever met, and they are beautiful examples of Jesus to me. I'm encouraged by them. That's what living generously, living with financial margin, can afford for us to do. I recently heard the story of a couple pretty close to my age who decided that generosity was going to be the mark of their marriage. After committing the first 10% of their income to their local church, they decided to set aside uh, an amount of money in their budget that they were going to simply use for more spontaneous giving. So as needs would kind of present themselves to them, they could meet those needs. The wife said one of her friends was in need of counseling and talking about how she wanted to see a counselor but didn't have the money. And so the wife was able to take the initiative and bless her friend by purchasing several sessions of counseling for her. It was a great gift. And they started to see more and more opportunities that they could just give this kind of excess money away to help people who never would have expected this kind of help and service. And they said, as we started to give this way, we felt like God was blessing us. We felt like we were getting in on what God was doing and we became so energized by our giving that we realized we could never be as blessed by spending this money for on ourselves as we are giving it away to other people that's what following a God who's always on the move is all about so we can give to love by first giving the gift of margin and then secondly we can give to love by giving the gift of hospitality one of the most important principles I've learned about giving the gift of hospitality is from the religious order uh, called the Benedictines. And they say that we should welcome everyone as Christ. Welcome everyone as Christ. In other words, when you encounter someone, treat them so seriously, value them so deeply that you would actually treat them the way you would treat Jesus if he crossed your path. 
Just imagine how practicing hospitality like that, welcoming everyone like Christ, would help you become more generous, more gracious, more loving. Now let's think for a moment about what this might look like for us as a campus to give the gift of hospitality, to welcome everyone as Christ. Now one of the things I wish I could do as your campus pastor is meet each and every guest who is here with us every Sunday, and each and every one of you, honestly, because I think you're pretty awesome. I do. I want to get to spend time with you, but even though I'm pretty extremely extroverted, I can't possibly do it. And even as awesome as our welcome team is, they can't greet everyone either. But what if we all took it upon ourselves to say, I'm going to be a member of the welcome team and welcome people everywhere I am. Now, most of you tend to sit in around the same section, whether you're here in the courtyard or here in the sanctuary, each and every week. So what if you started to begin taking a look around you, who was sitting right in your section, and said, okay, each week I'm going to try and get to know the people that are sitting around me, and as I get to know them, I'll also see who I don't know. So what if I decide to take some time in my day, create a little margin to be able to speak to those folks that I don't know very well? Now, I know a lot of us get nervous about this, and sometimes I do, because I've made the mistake where I've been like, hey, are you new to Grace Chapel? And they're like, I've been here for 25 years. And I'm like, (laughs) awkward. Or... There's a lot of people's names to remember here, and I should know somebody's name, and sometimes I forget their name, but now it's been way too long to, like, re-ask them their name, too much time's elapsed. So I'm like, hey, you, how you doing, you know? (laughs) So a lot of times we don't want to talk to people because we're scared of that. But I just want to give us all a free pass to re-ask one another our names, to get to know those around us, and to be more friendly. One of the things I've started doing is just keeping a list of people's names as I start to meet them here. And as a new campus pastor, my phone is like blowing up with names. I'm trying to remember this as much as I can so we can make people feel welcome. And so here's what I want to do now with the powers that have been entrusted to me as a new Lexington campus pastor. I want to declare hereby that you all are a part of the welcome team and you are all being commissioned to greet each and every person that you encounter every day, uh, every Sunday, that you will go out of your way first to talk to people you don't know and then go talk to people you do know so that everyone here can feel enormously welcomed and blessed just like they would be Jesus if he was coming through the doors. Amen to that? Amen. Amen. Felt like I was almost marrying people right there, but that's okay. So give the gift of hospitality. One other way we can do that is by making ourselves more available to one another. During this season of the church known as Lent, we're going to be spending five weeks together in this series called At the Table with Jesus and with each other. And it's a great way for you to be able to spend five consecutive weeks with your life community group or to begin being a part of a new group called our table group. And one of the ways you can practice hospitality is by showing up for these groups, by giving the gift of your time, a little bit of your margin, so that you can be available to other folks here in our community. Community is best built through hospitality, and hospitality is built through availability. So be hospitable, be available, get plugged in with these groups as a next step. So give to love by giving the gift of margin, hospitality, and then thirdly, by giving the gift of prayer. Give the gift of prayer. Our best devotional writers over the centuries contend that the greatest way that we can love someone is to pray for them. Prayer is the highest form of love. So when it comes to giving, Christians, let's not forget that central to becoming more generous people is to love them by giving the gift of our prayer to them consistently, 
compassionately and earnestly. I recently learned a new way to pray from one of the members of our church that I have just been dying to share with you. She told me that God has taught her to pray for others by praying as if she was the person that she was praying for. In other words, when it's sometimes difficult to know how to pray for someone, this woman suggests stepping into that other person's shoes, imagining that you were them, and praying as they might pray if they were uh, someone who loved God and were a praying person. Pray the way they would pray if, you, if they were you. I found that by doing this that my heart has been filled with far more tenderness and compassion for other people. When I've experimented praying for people that I don't really enjoy being around that much, it's none of you, don't worry. As I pray for those folks, I find myself being more drawn to them, feeling more compassionate toward them and less frustrated with them. Praying for others by praying as if I was them, it's actually changing me. And that's what happens when we give. Giving transforms us. So as we think about becoming more generous people, let's not miss the importance of giving to love by giving the gift of prayer. Prayer is the highest act of love. And lastly, let's give to love by giving the gift of yourself. Giving the gift of yourself. We've talked this far about giving the gift of your finances, giving the gift of your time and prayer. But to grow in generosity, you actually have to give the gift of you. Now, I know a lot of us didn't believe our mothers when we were growing up, and they said, you are so gifted. But we actually are so gifted because God has gifted each and every single one of us. And he's gifted us in order that we might give. That's why God has gifted us. So think for a moment about how God might be inviting you to give the gift of your skills, how he might be giving you the gift of your education, how he might be giving you the gift of your work experience, your life experience, and even of your family to others. Steward these gifts wisely because God has entrusted them to you for the life of the world. When I spoke at Gordon College last year at one of their chapel services, I talked about the need to be yourself and how to give the gift of yourself by quoting from a Jesuit priest from the Deep South who said these words, you got to be who you is and not who you ain't. Because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't, and that ain't good. <laughs> if you missed that, let me say it again. You got to be who you is and not who you ain't, because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't, and that ain't good. <laughs> oh, hey, you guys are too kind. But what this means is to give the gift of yourself, you have to be yourself. Don't try and be someone else. God has not called you to be the next somebody. He has called you to be the only you. So to truly become more like Christ or to be who you is, it doesn't mean just to stay the way you are. It means to be more and more like Jesus. It means to be continually growing up to be more like Christ I remember author Max Lucado saying years ago that God loves you as you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. <laughs> he wants you to become just like Jesus. So to be who you is, 
It means to be ever increasingly becoming like Christ. He is the greatest gift ever given, and we can most fully receive and appreciate that gift by becoming generous people who live the way Jesus would live if he was you or he was me. That's what the Christian faith and the Christian walk and life with God is all about. So my friends, the fact that you are alive today and breathing means that God has a purpose for you. You matter. You make a difference. And you can fulfill that purpose by giving the gift of yourself to whomever crosses your path. So love to give and give to love because love gives. And we love to give. We love what God loves. And when we give to love, we do what God himself does. And we love what God loves and do what God does. We will find ourselves becoming ever closer to God and enjoying the abundant life that is truly life that Jesus makes available to each and every one of us each and every single day. And as we have talked about, kingdom obedience following that is kingdom abundance. And that's what God desires for you. So what's that next step that God might be taking and challenging you to take here this morning to grow as a generous person? Maybe he wants to encourage you simply to give so that you can be freed from fear. Imagine how great that would be to have freedom from fear and anxiety and worry. Giving helps lead us to that. Maybe your next step is to give the gift of margin. Not taking everything to the limit, but making yourself more available. Maybe your next step is to take a step in being more hospitable, treating people well and lovingly, welcoming them like Christ. Maybe your next step is to give the gift of prayer, loving others by praying earnestly and compassionately for them. Or maybe your next step is to give the gift of yourself, that self that is becoming more and more like Jesus for the sake of the world. So my brothers and sisters, may you love to give and may you give to love because God loved the world so much, loved you so much that he gave Jesus for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the extraordinary gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an exceptional, generous gift that is. And Lord, from the overflow of our hearts, may we trust that you are worthy of being trusted. And may we obey by taking that next step, whatever it might be, to give. Give us the courage to give. Give us the faith to give. Give us the freedom from fear that we might give. And may we give in order to give you glory and to bless everyone in this world so that the whole world would know that you are God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. We pray this all in his name. Amen.